You might like to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, where we're continuing our series today. And I want to ask you, do you know the saying, often quoted in superannuation ads, past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. What happened last week doesn't guarantee what will happen next week, especially when you're talking about the stock market. But it applies in other areas of life, doesn't it? When we see the Matildas won last night, that's not a guarantee that they will win the semi-final against England, is it? As much as we'd like to believe it. Uh, We can't necessarily just project past into the future how something happened then will necessarily happen exactly the same. And you know what this means for us? This gives us uncertainty about the future. For many of us, this leads to anxiety about the future. We can be fearful of what's coming. We know what happened before. We can usually kind of see what's happening right now at the moment, the the present we're in. But what comes next is beyond our sight. And that's scary for for many, many people. We struggle with not knowing what will happen in our lives. What will happen to our loved ones? What will they do with their choices? What circumstances of the world around us will change? For the better or for the worse? We can't see the future. And that is difficult. But here's the thing. We say that past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. That doesn't always apply. That doesn't always apply. That's not how science works. Science is based on repeatable observation. We work out if we drop something, if we let go of something, Gravity pulls it down. And we've done it before and we've seen it happen before. So we can predict if I drop something, what's going to happen? It's going to fall down. There are some things that we can predict uh, by their repeatability, by their essence. of, And there are other things that we can predict, not quite in the same way. But just because we do know what's happened, we can make predictions about the future. For instance, we might not know whether the Matildas will win as they play England in the semi-final. But you know what? If the Matildas were to play the five-year-old Bombardieri team, we we could say with confidence what will happen, couldn't we? If they were able to beat France in the World Cup, quarterfinal, how much more will they be able to beat the under-fives? We can say with complete confidence they would win. And so no one's getting anxious about the Matildas versus the under-fives. Will they, would they be able to pull up, except the under-fives? Uh, no, one's, no one's worried about it. There's no stress in that. There's circumstances. No one's stressing about if I drop something, will it fall? We know in some circumstances how things will behave. 
happens as well. The problem is when we, when we get these two confused. There's some things that we should be sure about in the future that we act as, as if they're un, completely uncertain and unknowable. And that's what Paul wants to address in the Romans as he, as he continues in chapter 5. He's been talking about the wonder of God's love for us, how marvelous it is to see what he's done for us in the Lord Jesus. Giving him to die for us while we were still sinners is a demonstration of the extent of his love. And then he goes on in the next couple of verses and he says, because we know what has happened in the past, this means we can be sure about some things in the future. But let's have a look at the verse. We're looking at Romans chapter 5, verses 9 to 11. And Paul writes, Since we have now been justified by his blood, Jesus' blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, since, uh, through whom we have now received reconciliation. There's a, simple, there's a simple dynamic, a simple argument that he's making that he kind of goes through a couple of times with slightly different angles on it. You see what he's saying? Since this has happened, this will happen. Since you have, since we have, Paul writes, been justified by Jesus' blood, since we have been reconciled to God, we will be saved from his wrath. Since our relationship with God has been fixed up, since we have right standing in his sight, that's what justified means. When he looks at us, he sees that we are acceptable. He approves of us. Since we have been justified in his sight through the blood of his son. Since we have been reconciled to him. That word reconciled <coughs> is repeated three times in the passage. I don't know if you noticed, only three verses. But we get the repetition. We were reconciled to him, having been reconciled, and through whom we've now received reconciliation. Our relationship with God has been fixed up because of Jesus. His blood has been shed. The price has been paid. In God's sight, we're not still guilty sinners awaiting condemnation. We are now forgiven sins. Perfect in his sight. He looks on us and sees the righteousness of his own son. And he has accepted us 
into his family. We're no longer estranged, no longer his enemies, but reconciled. Brought back into a relationship in which there's no tension. There's no awkwardness. There's no kind of uncertainty about whether we're welcome or not. Reconciled. Brought back. And Paul's saying this has happened. This happened through what Jesus did at the cross, where his blood was spilled, where his life was yielded up in our place. That's in the past. We know that. We know, and he's been explaining this all through the book, what what God has achieved through this, this work of making us right in his sight, justified. This is past. And so what what does that mean? What can we know about the future because of this past? Well, if God saved us at the cross from our sins and if he's reconciled us into into intimate relationship with himself? Do we look to the next stage when Jesus returns as judge and everything is called to account? Do we look to that next stage with uncertainty, kind of not knowing, well, he, he did this at the cross, but what's coming next? This is kind of like a whole new chapter and it's another challenge. No, Paul says. It's not like playing England after playing France. He's established this at the cross. Therefore, if we're in good relationship with God, there's no reason for God to pour out wrath on us on the day of judgment. We don't stand under the, that curse. We are the people he loves. We're the people he's welcomed into relationship. There's no, there's no condemnation hanging over us. So Paul says, we can be sure about this. We can expect it. In fact, it's not even on the same level. If he's done this at the cross, how much more will he save us on the day of wrath? It's kind of like the comparison of if the Matildas could beat France, how much more could they beat the under fives? It kind of just logically flows out of it. Of course that's going to happen. If he, if he was willing to give up his beloved son, if he was willing to take the punishment for our sin onto himself in God the Son, how much more will we be saved on the day when the punishment is finally rolled out? How much more? And yet we have doubts about it, don't we? I know even even as Christians, even as people who, who love Jesus, people who follow Jesus faithfully, we still sometimes can look to the future and have doubts. And I think there's different shapes these doubts can take. 
as we think about the future day of wrath. The kind of what-if questions come up in the back of our minds, don't they? Even though we know the extent God's, got, God's gone to at the cross, there's still our doubts. Some of them are about just the extent. Judgment Day feels a whole lot bigger to us than the cross. That's how it feels to me anyway. It's a kind of worldwide stage where everything's happening at once. It's the full and final dealing with the problem of sin. Jesus on the cross feels like it's God dealing with sin, but it just felt like a kind of foretaste in, in some sense. It's just one man. It's just, whereas the end, it's, it's the whole world. It feels bigger. It feels more serious, more significant. And especially when I think about how the cross, my, my participation in the cross through my own commitment to follow Christ. My faith, my receiving reconciliation, that feels like much smaller in the scheme of things than judgment day. I'm just one person. My heart's just one heart, my life and my decisions. Like it's, it still feels like the big obstacle is ahead. But no, Paul says. The blood has been shed. The cleansing has happened. God looks on us as justified. Right in his sight. Sometimes I feel like just I just get caught up in my, my own unworthiness. I don't know about you. I mean, as I look to, to future salvation, being saved on that day, I'm conscious of my own failings. I'm so aware that that I stuff up all the time. Surely I can. I might mess it up. But Paul has already told us that we were reconciled when we were God's enemies. That's when Christ died for us. You can't mess it up any more than being God's enemy. You can't mess up the day of salvation, the day of his future judgment, any more than being on the opposite side. That's when Christ died for us. That's when we were reconciled. We can't get less worthy than that. And yet God loved us and gave his son for us then. It didn't depend on anything that I have done. It won't still depend on anything that I've done. can't sin so bad that it will mess it up because Jesus's death is powerful to cover my sin well 
can get my head around me, sometimes it's just nagging questions about God. Maybe he'll change his mind. Maybe he'll decide that it's not worth it. Maybe he'll go, oh, it's time for a flood again. Oh, wait, he said there's not going to be a flood again. It destroys the whole world. Maybe there'll be a meteorite that destroys the whole world and just wipes it all out and it'll start again. I mean, if I was God, it would be very tempting, wouldn't it? I wouldn't want to put up with, with us. But God is fully committed to this, isn't he? He won't change his mind because he's already paid the highest price. When he's already given his son He's already done what's necessary to make sinners right in his sight. He's not now going to turn around. It's not in his character anyway, is it? He's the God who sees the end from the beginning, who acts all along the way knowing where it's going. Even he floods the world, bringing judgment as a foretaste of future judgment, but also saving Noah and his family to teach us about the salvation that he will provide for his ultimate people. Having been reconciled to God through the blood of his son, how much more shall we be saved through his life? You notice that? Paul says we, we know at the cross he's dealt with sin. We've been reconciled. Our relationship with God is, is good. And we know we will be saved. How much more will we be saved? We can be confident on that final day because of his life. What connects the death of Jesus at the cross and the future judgment day when everything will be held to account? Jesus' life. He's alive. He died at the cross dealing with sin, but didn't stay dead. He rose. He lives. We don't look back with fear. We look back with joy to what God's done. We look back and celebrate his victory. Over sin. And his ongoing victory. Jesus is alive. 
and he has this he gives us this basis for our hope doesn't he that he lives on triumphant over death and he lives as the one who was committed to us even to the point of dying you know it's not quite like the matildas playing france and then playing under fives like it's even more emphatic than that. There's not another match to be played. It's more like the boxing match where Jesus has faced the opponent and the opponent has been knocked out. And we're in the period between when the opponent has been knocked out and the bout's over. And there's just that moment at the end when the judge, the ref has to announce the winner. As always, having knocked out death, how much more will Jesus bring life to those who are reconciled through his death? Friends, the future contains uncertainty about many things. There's lots of things we, we feel anxious about because we don't know what's going to happen. Let me tell you with Paul that our security on the day of judgment is not one of those things. Knowing that God has reconciled us at the cross, we can be absolutely sure that we will be saved from his wrath on that final day. Let me finish with these words from a song. song beautiful savior verse 2 says i will trust in the cross of my redeemer i will sing of the blood that never fails of sins forgiven of conscience cleansed of death defeated and life without end they're tied together aren't they Given in the cross, sure hope of life from the grave. Lord God, thank you for Paul's encouraging words here. Please help us to not people who, who don't look at the future with, with fear, with uncertainty about your will towards us and help us to be people who are sure who see clearly what you have done reconciling us through the death of your son that we might look forward look forward to his return with joy and sure hope we pray this in his name